of the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Yeah. Did you stay up for uh, game two, Chris? I was up. I did watch the end of the game, the last couple of innings. Nice. Um, I was flipping back and forth. There was a very important Toronto Raptors Golden State Give Warriors Give me a break. Are you serious? As well, so I was, you know, between commercial breaks, I was back on the Raptors game. But I watched the game. It was a good game. I didn't yeah. see the whole game, though. I did stay, I said I wasn't gonna stay up on Twitter, I wasn't gonna stay up for extra innings, but I did stay up for extra innings and it was fun. Uh, and I understand you were at a concert each of the last two nights? Yeah, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of dead right now. I've slept very little over the last two nights because I was at concerts, Adam. I'm sure you have heard of Against Me and LCD Sound System. I'm sure you're a big fan. I am often against you. Yeah. But I have never heard of either of those bands. Well, you know, th- that's, you're no, you went to UM, mm-hmm. but you're a you're a Miami guy. Against me is a local band. They've got a Miami Florida guy. roots. I'm not a Miami guy. And uh, oh, I'll see Sound System. They're the they're the official band of New York City. Really? These days, Adam, they're doing a ten night run in Brooklyn. Really? Later this month. Are they like CNC Music Factory? Um, they are dancey. Okay. Okay, great. I well. Will- I wouldn't say they're CNC Music Factory. I, I would say that if you offered me free tickets to those concerts, I would have declined both times. Um, yeah, against me is a punk band. I can't imagine you are uh, going to punk shows. Like 90s punk? Like offspring punk or like more punk? Like, like real punk. Right, real punk than that. Okay, yeah, no, I don't do real punk. I do read emails, though, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Today on the show, we will give you a player who's going to be better than last year and a player who will be worse from the Yankees and from the Cubs who have been eliminated. We will talk about baseball managers because Chris Towers is at it again with his Twitter takes. But let's start with this email of the day, number one, from Greg. I was listening to last week's podcast, and I always wait on starting pitchers. I had a solid season overall and really just think that instead of investing in the aces— I'm going to be investing heavily in the players that are able to give me the rare power-speed combo. I really feel that if you build a strong core on players that provide that combo, you'll be able to piecemeal a rotation through the late rounds, waivers, and buy-low trades. I got unlucky, but this strategy basically worked out perfect for me. I was wondering what your view is on this, Chris Towers, prioritizing the power-speed guys. I think... I think power... Less than speed is the priority. Like, if you can get guys who steal bases and don't kill you, I think that's obviously the win. But I'm at the point where I really want one of those 50 steal guys, and there's only two of them, maybe three. So I really, I'm going to want Trey Turner as the priority or Billy Hamilton on my team because he, that's just, especially in Roto, that gives you such a boost. Mm hmm. This conversation is really for points, for roto leagues and categories yeah. leagues, not for points, but yeah, it's interesting. You want the power I, speed guys. There really aren't that many. Depends how you define it. I looked at just 2020 guys. Yeah. Which is, you know, like 2020 is 
less than one home run and less than one steal per week. So that would be like 26-26. But 2020, there were nine 2020 guys. This year, there were nine 2020 guys. Last year, there were four who did it twice in a row. Altuve, Trout, Betts, all top five, six picks last year. And then Will Myers, who had a weird year, killed you with batting average. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting in like an auction that maybe you try to get Altuve and Goldschmidt. Like Goldschmidt fell just short, but he's around there. But uh, something, something I'm going to consider next season is whether it might not make sense in roto leagues to start acquiring more of those high strikeout middle relievers. I haven't done my research on this yet, but I just, it's something that I look at, you know, there, there were 15 relief pitchers who had at least 90 strikeouts last season, and a handful of them were closer types, um, but only about half. And then you had guys like Chad Green, Chris Davinsky, guys that pitched a decent number of innings, Yusmero Petit, and had a lot of strikeouts. I'm wondering if those guys might not be undervalued in terms of filling out. You know, maybe you do go with, you know, the strategy where you look to acquire two of those 10 ace pitchers or whatever. And then maybe it's about filling out your the last few spots in your rotation with some of those guys. It's kind of interesting. I think Heath did a lot of that in categories leagues. And unfortunately, yeah. we haven't been able to have him on in a while, but I would like to know how that worked out for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he was winning our Roto League for a while. He was like neck and neck first to second place, and he ended up in fourth, but he ended up a half point behind second place. And you know, he's got a lot of baseball teams and, and a ton of football teams. So when football starts, I know it's hard for him to focus on baseball. Yeah. But, but his pitching but, staff at the end of the year was Gosman, Barrios, Carlos Martinez, and then Rysel Iglesias, Mike Miner, Wade Davis, Kenley Jansen. That's four relievers there. He also had, uh, did he have any, he had Andrew Miller, he had David Robertson, and he had a bunch of, he had some And starters. just what, what makes me think this is like, you look at, Strikeouts are way up across the league, but I'm not necessarily sure strikeouts are up among starting pitchers, at least outside of those elite guys who pitch a bunch of innings like Chris Sale, Max Scherzer. Um, so I just wonder if you're better off getting the elite ratio guys who can also help you out in strikeouts and maybe get two of those guys to replace one starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to finish up the power speed thing, the other players who had uh, 2020 this year, Altuve, Trout, Betts, and Myers. Also, Tommy Pham. Sneaky. Good season for him. He had a fantastic season. Elvis Andrews. We didn't see that coming. Brett Gardner. We didn't see that coming. 21 home runs was a career high. Keon Broxton. Like, Keon Broxton was a 2020 guy, but he really wasn't that good in fantasy. Yeah. You know? And then Ben Benintendi was exactly 2020. Uh, Whit Merrifield was 19 homers, 34 steals. So yeah, I mean, you, it's just hard to project. Steals are so fluid. But I yeah, would and I think to... especially when you're talking about like the 15 to 20 steal range, right? Because those guys tend to, you know, Anthony Rizzo had like a 16 steal season, right, uh, a few years back, right? Like it just, it, I, the way I'm kind of starting to come to it is like. If I can get Billy Hamilton in the fifth round of a Roto League, I know he only provides two categories worth of value. But you don't really need to worry about steals otherwise with him. Yeah. And it, I think it also depends on how how many roster spots you have on your team because he won't yeah. hurt you as much in batting average. 
And it won't hurt you much in every other category if you have a lot of other hitters who can make up for it. All right, email of the day number two. It would be awesome if you could dedicate a show to just the different types of leagues you can join. Best, worst, most difficult, most fun, most original. You might have already done this, but I'm a new listener this year. And I don't have your name, emailer. Let me let me find that. I'm, I apologize. Chris, what, what's your favorite league? Um, Head-to-head, just head-to-head categories is tends to always be my favorite type of league in baseball. I... A lot of people really like the league-specific formats, the NL and AL oh, only. Boo. I'm not a fan. No, bad, bad. Um, you that's for the obsessives. And look, I, I do this for work, and I love it, and I do enjoy playing fantasy baseball. But that requires a level of dedication that just, uh, you know, like you can't have a life if you play in, <laughs> especially we play in NL and AL only leagues. Yeah, you don't want to do that. I I think head-to-head category is definitely my favorite too. But points leagues are, you know, for the novice, for the for the beginner, yeah. points leagues are great. They're a really easy transition from football to baseball. And weekly lineup setting makes fantasy baseball a lot easier. Yeah, and I would just say, um, you know, if you want to start getting into other types of leagues, I actually think we don't really do any of them here. Uh, I don't think I'm in in. in any of them, but um, Sim I like I like salary cap. Oh, leagues. salary cap. Because that's always fun when you have like I've done that in ba- basketball. Wait, what, I've never done it in baseball, but it's always fun cap? in basketball when you have like Carmelo Anthony making twenty eight million dollars a year and he's not owned, even though he's obviously you know a, a startable fantasy player, but he's just not good enough to justify that. That's always fun. So you use their actual baseball salary? Yeah. Ah, that is interesting. Yeah, that that would be cool. And you'd have to what would your budget be? I mean that's kind of the problem with baseball is Yeah, know. there's not an actual salary cap, but right. I think you can just set it at like the average. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you really have to think, like, is Max Scherzer worth his thirty million dollar salary? Is Giancarlo Stan? It's an interesting way to play fantasy. Ooh. I wonder who the most valuable players would be. It would be the young guys. Obviously. Aaron Judge, by far. Judge, yeah. I mean he made five hundred thousand dollars last year. Wow. Cool. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, all right. So thank you. That was Alan, by the way. Alan with the email. Thank you, Alan. Shout out to Alan. Shout, Alan, you have been shouted out. Now, Alan, now that we've answered your question, you have to get on a movement watch. You have to put a movement watch on your wrist and tell all your friends. Because recently I've been telling the fantasy football audience about movement watches. Now I want to tell the fantasy baseball audience. Watches are great. Chris, you love watches. You're a watch guy. I got some watches, yeah. Yeah. I'm a watch guy now, too. It's all thanks to Movement Watches, and it's spelled M-V-M-T. Uh, the URL to get a great offer is this. MVMTWatches.com slash FBaseball. MVMTWatches.com slash FBaseball. 15% off, free shipping, free returns. An awesome deal. The hardest part about Movement Watches, when you go on the website, there are going to be so many that you really like. I was I narrowed it down to like eight. I had to ask so many friends and family members. It took me like a week, and then I finally said, all right, you know what? I'm going with the Ryan, and I love the watch. It is beautiful. It's not gaudy. It's not showy. It's minimalist. It's cool. It's just classy, and at department stores, you want a watch? You're talking four or 500 bucks. I mean, obviously, you want a super high-end watch. There are a lot more than that. Movement watches start at $95. 
And that's why over a million movement watches have been sold in over 160 countries. So get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns. MVMTwatches.com slash FBaseball. That's MVMTwatches.com slash FBaseball. Join the movement. If you can't remember that URL, please feel free to email or tweet me. And uh, I'm happy to help. It's time for Chris's dumb tweet of the day. How did you pick just one? <laughs> oh, man. Chris says, most managers don't make a difference one way or the other. Oh, what well. are you disagreeing with here? Of course they make a difference. How could they but not? That's, but that's not what I'm saying. So what that's are you disagreeing with? Most managers don't make a difference. There are good and bad managers, but for the most part, they're replaceable. I'm not saying Joe Girardi's not a, a difference maker. He might be. But for the most part, if you put Joe Girardi on a team and you put Don Mattingly on the team, they're going to have very similar outcomes. Yeah, but that doesn't mean most managers don't make a difference. Saying they're replaceable I think is different than saying they don't, they don't make, make a, a difference. They don't make a difference from each other. Well, you should have said that. And That's I what I said. No, you didn't. I I took yes. that as to say managers don't do anything. Nobody else had that issue, Adam. Everyone else understood <laughs> what I was saying. This sounds like an Adam Azer issue, not a Chris Towers issue. I, I all right, fine. So maybe it's Adam's dumb tweet interpretation of the day. But I also Thank think you. you're simplifying. You're oversimplifying it a bit. Okay. Like managers are important. Look, do you think like whoever the Yankees go and get to be their manager, if they get a Rod, do you think it's really going to make like, yes. they're going to? There's going to be That's like a, a nine-game difference between what the Yankees do next season I mean, if they it have A-Rod be. versus Dusty Baker. See, the, the Yankees should hire Dusty Baker for God's sake. This guy I, is I such a great manager. I mean, come on. How can right, we fire right, him? So the Dusty Baker thing, like, people act like Dusty Baker can't walk without tripping over his feet. Like, people talk – and I'm a – you know I'm an analytics guy. You know I'm a numbers guy. And Dusty Baker makes a lot of decisions that I don't agree with. Batting Jason Worth second all season is dumb. You should not do that. But it's also like you're talking about relatively small differences between batting Jason Worth fifth versus batting him second. And there's he does something right. Yeah, he wins all the time. Like you can't keep winning 90 games every year on four different teams as the manager and be the incompetent idiot yeah, that people no. seem to think Dusty Baker is. No, nah, I mean, I think I would love for the Yankees to hire him. I can't believe they're not bringing Joe Girardi back. The thing is, I trust Brian Cashman. I think he's a great GM, and obviously he knows a lot that we don't behind the scenes, so maybe there's a reason. But And he's also just been there forever. Sometimes you just want a new voice. I guess, but I just I think Joe Girardi's a great manager. He's I think he does a great job. I think they overachieve every year. I, I was think very he's surprised. Done, I, I will say... Not great in his one year with the Marlins. He won manager of the year. Made some really dumb decisions that set the franchise back. Like uh, His handling of the young pitching staff was very bad. Really? There was a point where Josh Johnson, this was, I think this was when he had Tommy John surgery, right before. They had like a two and a half hour rain delay in the fourth inning, and then he brought Josh Johnson back in. Well, he's learned from that mistake. That's for sure. <laughs> I think baseball has learned from... From those mistakes. Yeah. but So the Yankees aren't bringing Girardi back. Boston hired Alex Cora, who was Houston's bench coach, or still is. The Mets hired Mickey Calloway, uh, who did a great job with the Cleveland pitching staff. He was the Cleveland pitching coach. I hope that translates to um, to the Mets pitchers. And the Indians are going to the Red Sox pitching coach, Carl Willis, who was a former Cleveland pitching coach and is now the Indians pitching coach again. 
and uh, the Cubs. We, we have no idea if any of these guys are no, going to be good. No clue. No clue. We're guessing on managers. Yeah, absolutely. But I, but but Dusty Baker is going to be good unless he goes to just a terrible team. Uh, so that's Chris's dumb tweet and Adam's dumb interpretation of the day. Some news and notes. Yasiel Puig is blue hair. He's the best. Did you see him freak out over not catching that ground rule double? No. Oh my gosh. So, what was it? The ninth inning, maybe? It was mm-hmm. late in the game. Someone doubled. I want to say it was Bregman. He hit the ball really hard the other way. Puig dives for it. It bounces out of his. It would have been a highlight reel catch. It bounces yeah. out of his glove and into the stands for a double. Oh wow! He like without even like. It was such an immediate reaction. He rips his glove off his hand and flings it down on the ground. He starts cursing. He's so pissed. I've never seen anyone react like Yasiel that. Yasiel Puig is – I just – my favorite thing about this playoffs – I have two favorite things about this playoffs. One is Clayton Kershaw just absolutely stomping all over the idiotic, he's not clutch, yes. he sucks narrative. Glad you brought that he's up. because awesome. I knew it. I thought of you. Awesome yesterday. I thought of you. I thought of you when, when he had that brilliant start of 11 strike us. But go on. That was your favorite thing. What was your second favorite thing? Well, no, that's my second favorite right. thing. My favorite thing is just the world having to come to grips with Yasiel Puig's greatness. Like, nobody can deny it anymore. Like, even the, like, what's his name? The guy in, in your city. Who hates everything fun? Chris Russo? No, um, Mushnick, I think is his name. Oh, he wrote Phil Munchkin. Like, how can you watch this playoffs and he, think Yasiel Puig is not amazing for baseball? All right, you probably have never. You probably don't read Phil Munch much. Oh, much. oh, I'm very much aware of him. Yeah, every yeah. I don't read him anymore. I don't read him anymore. He's a he's a miserable, miserable curmudgeon. Yeah. And but he how hates can everything. you watch this playoffs and think Yasiel Puig is anything but great for baseball? He, no, like, did he, you see his he, quote on Carlos Correa's bat flip yeah, yesterday? Yeah, he's great. Fun. He was like, "Well, it was a little higher than I usually do." Yeah, he's fun, absolutely, <laughs> and he has blue hair. And my um, wife dyed her hair blue in honor of Yasiel Puig. Are you serious? No, she just dyed her hair blue. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he did it in honor of her. Maybe. So Clayton Kershaw uh, has a great game one, and he allowed a home run in game one. That was the ninth consecutive start in which he allowed a home run, the longest stretch of his career. According to CBSSports.com, the longest uh, he'd ever, the longest stretch before that that he'd ever allowed a home run in consecutive games was four games in a row. Meanwhile, yesterday, Game Two, World Series record eight home runs, and Dallas Keuchel says, "Quote: Obviously, the balls are juiced. I think they're juiced 100, percent but it is what it is. I'm just glad we came out on top." He there's said, no, uh, there's nothing else we can say. It is what it is. It, that's the reality of the game until it's not. Yeah, and it's been fun. It's well. Last night's game was great. Actually, they both were great. But I, you know, the the Kershaw thing, Chris, is like when you say something like he stomped all over the, you know, the idea that he's not good in the postseason. You almost act like he hasn't been bad in the postseason. When in fact, Kaden Kershaw has been very bad. In the no, postseason. no, 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 no. It's not stomping over the narrative that he hasn't been bad. He has been bad. Yeah. It's stomping over the narrative that he cannot be good. But nobody thinks that. There are people – I have had conversations with people who think Madison Bumgarner is a better pitcher than Clayton Kershaw, and all they cite is playoff numbers. See, it's ridiculous. Clearly nobody's a better pitcher than Clayton Kershaw, but if somebody said if I had one postseason game, I'd rather Madison Clayton Bumgarner – I'd rather have Clayton. I, I respect that. But if somebody said Bumgarner, that person's wrong, 
That person's not wrong, Chris. That, that person is wrong. They can have Josh Beckett too. That person's been right almost every time. They can have Josh Beckett and Kurt Schilling and Jack Morris too. I'm taking Clayton Kershaw. I don't care. Fine. I'd rather have most pitchers in baseball in the postseason than David Price. <sighs> he was good this year. He was good as a reliever. He was hurt. Okay, but he didn't start. He didn't start. Oh, oh Chris Towers. All right, season recaps. Give me a player who will be better on the Yankees next year. Uh, the obvious answer is Masahiro Tanaka, I think. Yeah. I don't know that'll uh, be on the, I don't know that'll be on the Yankees. Yeah, the, but the 474 ERA, he kept getting swinging strikes all year. He kept getting strikeouts. His control wasn't bad. He had issues keeping the ball in the park, but you know, a 21% home run to five ball ratio, even with juiced balls, that's not sustainable. Even in Yankee Stadium, that's not sustainable. He's going to be a low, a low to mid three ZRA guy next year, and if people are scared off of him, I will gladly take him. He had a great postseason. Mm-hmm. And Severino's innings really concern me. I haven't really looked into Tanaka's innings, but he uh, he pitched deep into the game. See how many he threw this this year, Chris. Well, why why do Severino's innings concern? You? Oh, huge jump! Like what, sixty innings over his previous high? Am I is it too, is that too many? It's at least fifty. I didn't think it was. Oh. I thought he had thrown like one hundred and seventy, one hundred and eighty innings before. I don't think so. I think it was more like one fifty. He threw one hundred and fifty last season. He threw one hundred and fifty three in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, and he went over two hundred this year. Yeah, but I'm not. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I'm I'm more worried about like the hundred to 160 jump than I am the 150 to 200 jump. You know, I don't have a scientific answer, but I, that's a, it's more innings than they wanted him to throw. Tanaka, sure. meanwhile, no Tanaka, no, he's fine. It's, so he's at he's at like 200 almost exactly, and he actually threw that many in 2016. So and he's a he's a vet. Yeah, so he he's cool pitching with a you know torn UCL for five yeah. years. <laughs> I'll tell you who I, I think is going to be better next year. I'm, I'm really excited about him. I think he's got a chance to be, if everything goes right, top five to seven first baseman, Greg Bird. Yeah. Uh, I love I, him. I bought all in on him after the spring. I thought he was a player who was perfectly suited to playing in Yankee Stadium and just, he never got the chance. Like, I know he played. He, he literally got the chance, but because of the injuries, he was just he was never right, but he was really good down the stretch. He's gonna be better in, in OBP leagues. He has a great eye. In the yeah. postseason, I mean they faced some great pitching. They faced the Indians and the Astros. In the postseason he had a nine thirty eight OPS to lead the Yankees. He batted two forty four, but twelve walks, seventeen strikeouts, he homered three times, so uh here's I'm the thing about I like about Greg Bird. I don't think he's gonna strike out very much. I think he's gonna be an above average strikeout guy. I know he was like he was terrible. Uh this season overall, but specifically that first month, but it's obvious he was never healthy. Right. Yeah. What I love about him, if you were designing a player in a lab to take advantage of Yankee Stadium, it would be Greg Bird. He's a contact hitting, pull heavy, fly ball hitting left handed bat. Mm-hmm. All yeah. of those things are going to come together. For this guy to have, you know, 40 homer potential playing in that park. And he can hit lefties too, so that's good. I don't know if he'll hit for power, but he won't be a guy who has to sit against lefties. Yeah. A player who will be worse next year for the Yankees. A player who will be worse next season for the Yankees. Uh, should I just make everyone mad at me? 
I mean, if you say Aaron Judge, I'm not going to be mad. It's Aaron Judge. Yeah. He's obviously going to be worse. We already saw it. Like Aaron Judge is going. He, Aaron Judge is not going to be the best player in fantasy next season. I, I call me crazy. He was the number one player, right? I don't think so. Well, uh, he's not going to be one of the three or four best players in fantasy next season. I he think, had, yeah, I think Charlie. Blackman what might end up being the best year of his career? I think it's going to be a lot like Mookie Betts, actually. He will have a very good season that is not nearly as good as the one he had this year. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. All right, put a put a pin in that because I'm going to give my guy. I have a question mark on this. The okay. player who will be worse next year? I went with Didi Gregorius. So sure. he he missed about a month, but from April 28th on, when he when he returned, when he made his debut, Didi was the number six shortstop in points, number seven in Roto. It was awesome. Only Manny Machado. Jonathan Scope and Francisco Lindor hit more home runs at the position than Gregorius from the time he made his season debut. Two of those guys, Machado and Scope, won't be shortstop eligible to start the 2018 season. Uh, <laughs> now, I love Didi coming into the year. I made some good calls. I made some bad calls. My best call was Didi Gregorius. I, I thought he was going to have a good year. I think it would be, be this good. But Heath didn't really like him because he mentioned how much soft contact Gregorius made in 2016. Mm-hmm. And I didn't look it up in 2017, but I did see he it was, was up. he was 396th in average exit velocity, tied with Zach Greinke. He doesn't hit his home runs very far, but that's fine. Yeah, I think that's fine because everything I said about Greg Bird, a lot of that applies to DD Gregorius. He doesn't have the raw power Greg Bird does. He hits a lot of 378 foot home runs. Those still count, and they are. As far as I know, not moving the fences out in right field in Yankee Stadium. Uh, but but if if you he's look a at full heavy hitter, look at his home road splits. He was better on the road. That's that's what's incredible. And also, like people think he's a legit star when you factor in the defense. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, he might be this good of a hitter, um, even though he doesn't walk that much, he doesn't strike out much. He's he could be like a two eighty hitter. Could he hit twenty five home runs again? I mean, it, it's possible. Yeah, I think so. Look, if they. He's someone that if they change the baseball, yeah, probably a, goes yeah. back to being a very run of the mill player. Yeah. And he hit, he hit 12 home runs at home, 13 on the road, yeah. but he batted 80 points, 70 points better on the road. Yeah. He, he's because I don't think they're moving the fences out in Yankee Stadium and because I don't have any reason to believe they're going to change the baseballs next year. I think Didi Gregorius is going to be a very good fantasy option. All right, the Cubs. Oh, this is what I was going to say. This is what I was putting a pin in. I got such a nice email yesterday from CBS mm-hmm. Sports, and it said, thank you, Adam, for, for playing fantasy baseball on CBS Sports. And it had this uh, this video of Heath and yeah. Chris just talking, just chatting at, at just the desk. chatting it up. Uh, and I got to tell you, you guys did a great job. We were, You know what we were doing? We were reading off a teleprompter. That was that was a first for me. Really? You never read off a teleprompter? No. I couldn't tell. I thought you Just you sounded very natural. My question was, that was about a minute and 15 seconds, I think, of one camera shot and one take. Did you do it all on one take, or did you guys have mess-ups? We messed up one time, but it was only because we had never read the second half of the script, mm. and we decided to try to do it without having read that. <laughs> Which didn't work. <laughs> That's a mistake. That's a mistake. You always want to rehearse your teleprompter. Yeah. Ah, you guys did great. That was really cool. I, I enjoyed that video a lot. Thanks. I wish I wish Scott had been there. Yeah. Scott's obviously the guy. He'll yeah. be back in three weeks. Six month 
paternity leave. <laughs> Cubs. Who's going to be better for the Cubs next year? Uh, I'll let you have yours. I agree, though. But I'll okay. let you have your moment in the sun soon. I think Kyle Schwarber is an obvious call here, though. Um, I just he's not as bad as he was last season, and I think he was like a, an almost 900 OPS guy after coming back from the minors, right? Yeah, Scott Scott brought it up. If you just looked at the numbers, I, I'm going to get them up right now. That they were pretty good. I don't know if it was that high, but yeah, it was good. I, you know, playing time was sometimes questionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just see. You want to keep talking? Where do, where do you think Schwarber will be as an outfielder next year? Um, He definitely won't be drafted as a top 20 guy. or what he, he had a 900 OPS from July 6th on. There you after go. After he came back. 903. 18 homers he, in 65 games. All he has to do is hit 250. And that's what he did after coming back from the minors. You know, 225 plate appearances. He had a 308 Babbitt. Nothing about that looks off to me. There's a weird type of player in baseball and in fantasy baseball mm-hmm. that seems like he has so many bad games, but homers just enough to be good enough in fantasy. And Schwarber's like Schwarber is not a consistent night to night guy by any means. No, when he gets hot, he gets red hot. He's just someone that Everyone was way too high on him coming into the season. Yeah, I was the guiltiest party. Um, like his track record was pretty good, but he wasn't like a superstar in 2015 and we were treating him like he was going to be, you know, we didn't, I think the problem was we didn't factor the downside and the downside here was obvious. He's a horrible defender. So they're going to look for excuses to get him out of the lineup. He strikes out a ton and he can't hit lefties. And when you're treating a guy like that, like he's got superstar potential, and I think Kyle Schwarber still does, you have to still factor in that risk. And I don't think we were doing that when we were drafting him as a top 20 outfielder. But his defense had nothing to do with it. I mean, they gave him every chance to succeed, and he was sure. so bad for half the season. By the way, this is so this is what I'm talking about. So last 65 games, which is when he got called up, July 6th on, he had that 903 OPS. 65 games, he had eight games with multi-hits. Eight multi-hit games, and I think only one of them was a three-hit game. I think the others were two-hit games. Sounds about right. And that's just like, you just look at the game log, it's like one, 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 zero, one, 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 two. And I don't know, it's almost surprising to me that he had a 903 OPS, which is exceptional, uh, in that, in that stretch. Cause he, most nights he doesn't do anything. But I guess he just has enough nights where he homers, and it helps. Yeah, and he also didn't play every day. Um, in that stretch, so those numbers are a little skewed. I'm not saying I expect him to be a 900 OPS guy, um, but I, I I just think he's bound to be better than what he hit 217 last season. I'm not sure, but yeah, I'm now counting. There, in that 65 game stretch, there were probably about 10 games where he had one plate appearance. So yeah. you know, keep that in mind. <clears throat> Can't have a multi hit game when you have 10 when you have one plate appearance. Uh, my player who will be better is Chris Bryant. He went from being the numbers, he had the Mookie Betts here. He went from being the number seven, number five hitter, uh, seventh in points, fifth in Roto in 2016 to 15th in points, 30th in Roto in 2016. I think he went down 10 home runs. I just think he had an off year. I think he comes back, might win the MVP again next year. Yeah. And I also think like if you're talking about guys who could join Stanton and Judge as 50 homer guys, 
he hasn't been that yet in his career, and he may never be. We may have been uh, a little over-enthusiastic about him based on his minor league career, but what I love about him is the raw power and the strength are still there. And if that breakout happens, coupled with his improved contact rate over the last couple of seasons, he was a, he struck out 19% of the time this year. That's above average. Yeah. His, his walk to strikeout average, ratio. He and Mookie Betts both improved their walk to strikeout ratios yep. and had worse numbers. So you gotta like the changes they made at the plate. Fully agree with that. I actually think the Cubs are kind of like the Red Sox in that when you're looking for players who will have a better season, I could probably throw six or seven guys at, at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Addison Russell's gonna have a better year. I think Ian Happ's probably gonna have a better year. I know he didn't, his were mostly playing time issues. Um, who's gonna have a so, worse year? Who's going to have a worse? I had a lot, I, I could not find anyone for this. It's tough. Yeah. It's really tough because like the Red Sox, there was nobody that really like played over their head. Yeah, I, I thought maybe Wilson Contreras. Maybe Wilson Contreras, maybe Kyle Hendricks, although he only threw 140 innings. I went with Javier Baez, even though like okay. it, it was I'm grasping for straws, but he hit 273, two seasons in a row. And I'm just amazed that he can do that with such bad plate discipline. And and we know the way he swings and pitches out of the zone. He went two for 26 in the postseason. Mm-hmm. You know, I just – I'm surprised he's a 273 hitter. But he's done it two years in a row. Again, I really had no good candidate for a player who will be worse. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry it's everyone. hard with this team. Yeah. So they're all going to be better, except for one guy who will be exactly the same – and Anthony that is Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo. Yep. Just, he's a metronome. You just set your watch to that dude's numbers. Four straight seasons with 31 or 32 home runs and OPS within 30 points, 899 to 929. Four straight years. And you can't get much better than the Seat Geek app. I've had the app on my phone for a couple of years now, ever since they started sponsoring this podcast. And it's been, uh, Maybe the most useful app I've had. Every time I need tickets, the first place I go is SeatGeek. And I, you know, I've been lying to all the listeners. It's not $10 off with our promo code fantasy. It's even better than that. It's $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's twice as good. Twice as many. Uh, so 20 bucks off. You download the SeatGeek app. You buy tickets to a game or a concert or comedy or theater. Use the promo code fantasy. You're getting 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. And the thing about SeatGeek is that even after you've used that promo code, you're still going to save money because SeatGeek goes out, looks at other websites. It finds the best seats for you. It find, it grades them based on value. You can immediately see the seats that fit your budget, and every purchase is fully guaranteed. Start shopping on SeatGeek right now, everybody. Use the code FANTASY. Get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Download the SeatGeek app, and the promo code is FANTASY for that $20 discount. All right, uh, I want to look at... The best hitters of the last 28 days of the season. And I think I did in points leagues. But the best hitters, these were not all of the best hitters, I just cherry picked. Nick Castellanos batted 372 with seven home runs and 11 doubles, which were the most of the majors. Jose Reyes, forget about the last 28 days, the last two months he batted 289 and he stole 11 bases and he had 20 walks to 31 strikeouts and 846 OPS. That's Reyes. Tommy Pham was outstanding, batted 293 with four homers and eight steals and almost as many walks as strikeouts in the last 28 days. And for the season, he was number 21 in points at outfield, and that was with playing 128 games. And Pham was number 11 in Roto. 
Carlos Gonzalez batted 380 with six homers and 10 doubles and one walked every two strikeouts basically. And Ozzie Albies was very good as well, batting 286 with four homers, six steals, 10 walks, four doubles in his last 28 days. Castellanos, Reyes, Pham, Carlos Gonzalez, Albies. Chris, who do you think can carry it over to next year? Well, it was nice to see Nicholas Castellanos uh, kind of live up to the expectations that I set for him. The fact that he ended up as a top 10 third baseman is actually a really nice sign because the batted ball data for him was just exceptional last year. So I'll buy him. I don't think the price will be too high. Um, I think he's a pretty good player. I think he's developed into not a superstar, but a useful guy. Um, I can't buy Jose Reyes, just the age, I think the declining skill set. Maybe it'll be there the way it was the last two months, but I think that was fluky. Um, as Fam. long as Tommy Pham's eyes are working, yeah, I man. think this dude can rake. He played 128 games. Of it before. If he had played 150 games, he would have been the number six outfielder in points leagues. Yeah, I mean, look, that we've seen flashes of this over the last couple of years. There's always stretches where Tommy Pham just tears the cover off the ball and then goes into long slumps or gets sent down or doesn't have an everyday role. But he, I, you know, I saw on Twitter the other day, he, uh, you know, he thinks the eye issue is really the, the key. And he said, you know, the difference this year was he had 2015 vision this year. Oh, that's if, not fair. I want 2015. If he can see the ball, I think he's going to hit the ball. I think it's as simple as that. 2015, he can see the ball from like the right field bleachers. <laughs> that's, a, that's and then terrific. I like Ozzy Albee's skill set. Um, not a, not a superstar player. I worry a little bit of if there, that there might be some, uh, Jose Peraza potential for him where he just doesn't hit the ball well enough to put the skills that he has, the speed, the contact ability. But I like the skill set there. Okay. So you skip Carlos Gonzalez. You don't care about him. You hate him. I just don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I, I really don't. I'm not going to lie. You buy low. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie and say that I have any confidence in anything with Carlos Gonzalez at this point. You buy low the day before your trade deadline. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Carlos Gonzalez. This year you could pick him up. Yes. Like the people who dropped Carlos Gonzalez, and there were a lot of them, you should have. There was no reason to think he was going to do this in September. Yeah, oh, you're right. All right, let's read emails here. We have an email about Otani. I'm going to save it for another show. Maybe we'll – hopefully he'll sign relatively early and we can talk about it. But uh, mm-hmm. here's from Ryan. Dear whoever is on the podcast besides Adam today. I am in a 5 by 5 categories league with four keeper spots. No limit on how you, long you can keep them. Our four keepers are our first four picks of the draft, so you lose rounds one through four. I currently have Votto, Mookie, Stanton, and Kershaw as keepers. Yeah, that's that's the end of the email, right? I don't know. Votto, Mookie, <laughs> Stanton, and Kershaw. My other options are Bellinger and Bregman. Um... Would you substitute any of them for Bellinger or Bregman? Again, they're Votto, Mookie, Stanton, and Kershaw. I guess you could consider Votto uh, swapped out for Bellinger just because in 2023, Cody Bellinger's probably going to be better than Joey Votto. But flags fly forever. Cody Bellinger's not going to be as good as Joey Votto next season. There's a pretty good chance he's not going to be as good as Joey Votto in 2019 either with the way Joey Votto's aging and the fact that he just had maybe his best season ever. So I 
I think you stick with it. It's going to be tough to let Cody Ballinger go and know that you could have him for the next 10 years. But mm-hmm. it, I just I think the gap between the two of them is is big enough that I'm sticking with Otto. This is from Paras Paras P yeah. P A R A S Paris. Okay, that's probably yeah, that's better. Could you help me pick my five keepers? Will Myers in the thirteenth round. All right, let, let's start with two uh, two very obvious ones. Actually, I think most of this email is obvious. Arenado in the eighth is obvious. Yep. Correa in the ninth is obvious. I'll read the rest. Pick three. Will Myers, 13th round. Mike Trout, first round. Donaldson, 10th. Rizzo, 6th. Salazar in the 12th. Lance Lynn in the 20th. All right, so here's the thing. When you're talking about keepers, you're always looking for surplus value. Nolan Arenado in the 8th round, that's 7 rounds of surplus value. Carlos Correa, probably 7 or 6 rounds of surplus value. Mike Trout in the first, you're getting no surplus value. You're still keeping Mike Trout because you can't possibly get better than a first-round value for Mike Trout. Like, you let him go, you're going to invest a first-round pick in him. If you have, if you're lucky enough, if God blesses you enough to give you the first overall pick. Right. There's no way you're getting Mike Trout unless you have the number one overall pick. So you keep Mike Trout in the first round. After that, I'd probably go Rizzo in the sixth. You need one more. Donaldson though. in the tenth is tough. Yeah, you need uh, one more. You Donaldson can... in the tenth. I need Donaldson five. Tenth. So okay. that's it. All right. Yeah, I thought it was pretty easy. So Paris, good luck. You have a terrific core. That's uh, a good start. You have, you have four players who were first round picks last year: Arenado, Trout, Donaldson, and Rizzo, and then Correa, who was mid second. That's a, that's awesome. From pretty good. From Gene, Lance Lynn, and Mike Leake. For Ronaldo Lopez and Steven Matz in a 2014 Keeper League, would you do that? Lance Lynn and Mike Leake for Ronaldo Lopez and Steven Matz. Give me the young guys. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, for sure. And this is from Johnny in Jamaica. Dear Mike, Aaron, and Wapner. Those are judges? Uh, <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. I don't actually know what Judge Wapner is. I know Rain Man. Um, I know right. he talks about him in Rain Man. I don't actually know what that is, but yes, these are judges. I, he was, I think he was like Judge Judy before Judge Judy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the question from Johnny is, thinking over things for next season, is it crazy to consider Carlos Carrasco a certified top five ace? And I'm considering dra- uh, dealing Corey Seager in the offseason. It's been two fair seasons, but Corey Seager always seems beat up and truthfully doesn't appear to have a game-changing bat. He reminds me more of his brother than an elite talent like Correa or Turner at shortstop. Should I lay off the crazy sauce? I think uh, Corey Seager is pretty special. I mean, when your down year is 295 with an 850 OPS and you're a shortstop, the only thing he doesn't do is steal bases. You'd like to see more of that from him. He might not be on the Carlos Correa level. But we also probably haven't seen the best of Corey Seager. Well, I hope uh, so because like I sort of see where Johnny in Jamaica is coming from, other than from Jamaica. Because uh, in two seasons, Seager has been number five in points, number seven in Roto. That was in mm-hmm. 2016, and this past year, 2017, he was number seven in points, number ten in Roto. And the lack of steals is actually a really big deal because this is a position where you get steals. Yeah, and he doesn't do it. He gets like three a year. Um, no, that's that is it's not totally unfair. But I just think 
what might be happening here is something we see a lot in sports and, and in fantasy sports as well is when you're told a young player is going to be a super duper star and they're just a regular old plain superstar like Carter Seager, I think it's easy to over overcorrect and say, well, this guy's overrated now. And I think like you look at like the turn that Anthony Rendon made this year where he turned into a legitimately elite hitter. There's no reason Corey Seager can't do that. Like that I think is on the table. Does he have to hit more than 25 or 26 home runs? Sure, but I think he absolutely has the, the ability to. Okay. Okay. And, uh, Carrasco as a top five pitcher. It's realistic. Yeah, it's not unfair. I just, he doesn't have the dependability of the top five guys. Yeah. Kershaw, Scherzer, Kluber, Sale. Yeah, those guys are clearly ahead of him. I think you can throw him in the mix after that, but he's been up and down. His ERA is never quite as good as you think it should be. Yeah. He has clunkers. Um, he's clunker he prone. He has clunker. He's clunker prone, yeah. that Carrasco. He's just these bad, bad starts out of nowhere. And, and I think him and Carlos Martinez is another guy like this where they exemplify the difference between command and control. Like Carlos Correa doesn't walk that many people. Carrasco. But there are stretches where you're like, I don't know if this guy knows where the ball's going. Um, but the stuff is obviously great. He has top five upside for sure. Who would you rather have next year, Carrasco or Syndergaard? <sighs> Let's let's see how Syndergaard's offseason goes. I'll, I'll take Syndergaard. Okay. Okay, that's it for Crazy Chris Towers and awesome Adam Azer on Alliteration Thursday. Well, that seems unfair. <laughs> I'm the host, it. Damn it, I get to say what I want. And yeah. uh, this is one of my best outros ever, so just let me go with it. That's Chris. I'm Adam. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. See you. Shadow.